Support for this podcast comes from UCSF Medical Center. UCSF Medical Center is ranked the number one hospital in California by U.S. News and World Report. UCSF Health, redefining possible. Hello? 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 A podcast featuring Elvira Love and Phoenix LaFay, two out-of-the-room-closet professional witches with over 70 years' combined experience of making magic. This is a show on the LMC Radio Network. During each show, Elvira and Phoenix will help you create rituals, make spells, make potions, and much more besides. They'll spend time speaking about different goddesses from all over the world, paying attention to the ancient reverence of long-ago cultures and infusing it with a modern perspective. Elvira, Phoenix, take it away. Hey, Elvira, can you hear me? I can hear you now. <laughs> well, we had a little bit of fun technical stuff this morning. <laughs> no kidding. It, are, are we sure it's not a Mercury retrograde yet? <laughs> nope. <laughs> oh, darn. I was hoping we could justify it on something. <laughs> yeah, sadly so. not. Just Just regular computer shenanigans. I got it. Well, that's a better thing than Mercury retrograde at this point. It does seem like that with all the things that are going on. Should I ask, you know, if I were to ask you anything, what's been happening just recently with you since we're technically going to be talking in the future? <laughs> right, that's true, right? This will this this show is coming to you from the past because it will air the day after Thanksgiving yes. when we are both Doing other things. <laughs> Basically called retail sales and, oh, my God, Christmas is almost here. Right, which is basically where I am today. And I imagine tomorrow when we do our live show, I will also be in the same place of, of basically a chicken with its head cut off. I am I have a little too amount of hours a day. And then a few, you know, fires, of course, always pop up and need to be dealt with at the last minute. So that's kind of where I'm at right now is is dealing with the last minute fires that I can put out before they turn into um, blazes that take over the world. Right, right. Yeah, but you know, busy. Yeah, yeah, I know. I'm doing mine only 2,500 miles away. My daughter is having some issues with her stepchildren and I didn't know this and I've been trying to push her to get me the Christmas list so that I can get things sent to them so when I'm there you know 
two days before Christmas. Um, I won't have the hysteria of Christmas shopping. It will all be taken care of via the magic Internet. And, right. Uh, well, which is good, but it turns out there's a lot of stuff going on. And she didn't tell me. She just kept getting shorter and shorter with me. So, unfortunately, it finally boiled over, and she told me kind of all of what was happening, obviously via text. But um, So now we're you know kind of like, oh, okay, now I understand why we've had such a problem. And there mm-hmm. we are. So Harsh yes. and difficult. But anyway, so obviously our topic for today is Odin and I'm sure right, which may be why today. we had issues because he is the trickster that is true um, along with a lot of other things that he does um, <laughs> yes it was fascinating um, after I do more research on things that I don't necessarily always talk about and I know that you know you talk about you know, the goddesses, and, and in turns there are the gods that kind of follow in with the the grouping. And so I had a feeling I was going to be behind the eight ball here with information, so I tried to really mm-hmm. push myself. So do you want to take well, the I'm lead? Sure and, yeah, well, I'm sure he does too. Actually, the more I read about him, I'm looking at it going, ah, isn't it interesting, J.R.R. Tolkien, how... He took the um, the concept of Odin the Wanderer as one of his characters. Oh yeah, yeah. He was super into Norse mythology, so there you can see a lot of it. Familiarity with Norse mythology, you can easily see it in the stories um, uh, that he's written. It's yeah, it's pretty pretty fascinating. Yeah, yeah. So. But, I mean, obviously, he is, um, I mean, I found it kind of interesting. Of course, you know, being a feminist, when you hear the all-father, you kind of go, ugh, you know, but that's okay. <laughs> as far as that's concerned. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah, Odin's a tricky one, because he's he's got that all-father um, definitely patriarchal type of energy going on. And then he has all these other interesting um, things about him, you know, like doing the, the being trained in the arts that only women typically are uh, hold and, um, you know, showing up in places that typically women only power. And uh, so there's some weird, interesting things about Odin. And I think, um, you know, like like I say, anytime I do any type of work around the gods, we have to keep in mind and remember that we can't possibly fully understand um, the concepts here. You know, we can intellectualize it and we might do it on a spiritual or emotional level, but the culture that these gods were born in and thrived in is gone. And so trying to to wrap our heads around all of these things, we're looking at them with the lens of what our modern constructs and modern society tell us. And and that's not the same as what these ancient societies would have done and would have believed and would have, would have worked like. So I think it's really important that people remember that, especially with deities um, from the Norse pantheon and the Germanic pantheons, because there is a lot of, um, unfortunately, there are a lot of groups 
and uh, bigoted groups that are doing reconstructionist work within the Norse pantheon. And there's this whole racist group uh, called the Sons of Odin who are total pieces of crap and trying to revitalize Norse mythology and Norse worship and these old school traditions with this guise of white supremacy. And that's totally not how it was. And it, so it's, it, you have to be when you get involved with, with groups that do Norse practice to make sure you're not dealing with a bigoted group. Cause unfortunately there are a lot of them out there. Right. Right. And I know that, um, even one of the you know the things that are part of his symbols or the things that are part of the what do they call them magical tools is a swastika which mm-hmm. unfortunately because of what has happened in history more recently it makes that particular symbol evil and it associates it with bigotry and you know a lot of the horrid things that happened in more recent past. So, right. yeah, this is part of what, and I can't really say it's about revisioning. It's sometimes it's so damaged yeah. that I don't know if the words, you know, revitalize and revision and, you know, that kind of a thing um, can actually happen. Right, right, yeah. right. Yeah, and it's tricky, too, because, well, here, let me... Let me take a step backwards. So, with an, and I keep saying Norse, but Odin is bigger than Norse. Yeah. Um, Odin is Germanic and and Scandinavian, and, and and he has a wide, a wide range of worship. He was a lot of places, and even when um, there's unfortunately or fortunately, depending on how you feel about these things, a lot of what we have from the Germanic peoples is given to us from the, the Romans and the information that the Romans wrote down dealing with some of these Germanic tribes. And then a lot of what we have from Scandinavia was written down in Iceland. So we don't actually have a lot of information from the horse's mouths, right? But from right. The, the other cultures who witnessed or learned about or uh, wrote down later. So that's also something to remember to take all of this with a little bit of salt because the Odin worshipers weren't the ones writing about Odin. <laughs> right. Um, well, and isn't that true about what happened with even the, um, in the, the, the British Isles and the, the uh, Celtic and the, you know, pagan or Wiccan, well, probably witchcraft actually, um, yeah. is that the people weren't really writing it down themselves. No, no. No, and you know that's what we do. We owe a lot to the Romans, and you have to take it all with a grain of salt because they, they like us, were putting their own uh, filters on what it all meant. And the way the Romans worked was assimilation. So they didn't take your gods away. They just said, "Oh, that god's just like this god." So now we're going to call it this name instead, or we're going like, for example, um, Sulis is a, a Celtic goddess. Of, of a very specific water uh, system in England, and they the Romans came and said, "Oh, that's just like Minerva." So from now on, it's her name is Minerva Sulis. So you don't have to stop worshiping her; just you need to understand she's the same as Minerva, and that's fine. But it's not true. 
You know, it's not necessarily true. And that happened with a lot of the information from the Germanic tribes with Odin. The the Romans felt that Odin was just like Mercury, uh, just like the god Mercury. And they're very different. If you start digging into the myths and the stories, they have some things in common, sure, but they're not by any stretch of the imagination the same deity. Uh, uh, But I want to take a step back to just talk a little bit from from the Norse perspective, it's likely that Odin originated in the, the Germanic tribes in, in that region of the world. Because in Scandinavia, what we have is this uh, war of the gods. We have the Aesir and the Vanir. And Odin is the king of the Aesir. So once upon a time, there were all of these gods in the Vanir. And mostly what we know, and we don't know they didn't lose the war, but once the war was being fought, their stories kind of um, So the Vanir were considered the uh, god of the land. Freya, for example, is one of the Vanir. Her brother Freyr is one of the Vanir. Their father, um, um, whose name is escaping my brain, they're, the, they're Vanir. They're the old gods. Then the new gods come in, the Aesir come in, and this is, you see, time again this is the patriarchal gods the sky father the just like zeus the sky father they come in and it changes the landscape of how people worship and with uh with the aesir and the vanir they fought a war forever there's stories and stories and stories of the fighting and the war between the Aesir and the Vanir. And finally, the, the, all of the realms of the gods recognize no one's ever going to win. So we need to just stop fighting. So you give us some hostages and we'll give you some hostages and then we'll just move on. So from that moment forward, it's really just the Aesir. However, Freya and Freyr and their father, Njord, the sea god, they come and stay with the Aesir. So now it's most of the tales that we have are after that war was fought and the sky gods right. come in and, and, and things change. And it's likely that the Germanic tribes actually literally invaded into Scandinavia and brought Odin with them. And this is, then there was assimilation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And interesting enough, thinking as I'm hearing you talk about this, it's very, I would almost say that in reality that makes for a interesting mediated piece. Yeah. That maybe we might want to think of that in for the present time in our world. Because here we are, we're all, you know, whether it's in the United States with the Republicans and the Democrats and whatever, uh, or we're talking about different countries and ideologies um it might work if you did that i know that that you know we talk about peace well peace usually is somebody conquering the other person and thus peace is established meaning we now have decimated you to you know bring you down and yet this actually gives almost for both the aesir and the vanir it gives them dignity Mm. right because they fight, but they also come to an agreement that this is forever if we don't get our shit together. And there's a whole lot more going on out there that we might be better suited looking at and dealing with. So 
I don't know. It was it was kind of like, oh, there's a there could be a bigger uh, model. Not that I think you know some world leader is going to listen to us and suddenly go aha, but it might happen. No, it could. Yeah, let's yeah. let's root for that. <laughs> yeah. So um, obviously now we have the Aesir and we have a culture that yeah. they have started with. Um, the different deities and the different uh, aspects of what Odin takes on, correct? Right, right, mm-hmm. right. And, um, you know, one of the most classic stories of Odin is this world tree story, right, where he, mm-hmm. um, Odin, in the origin stories in Norse mythology, Odin is one of the first sons. There was um, the and then Odin and his two brothers, who you never hear about, really, were born. Um, and the brothers and Odin killed the giant and used his body to create the world. So his bones and flesh and things became the landscape and his blood became the rivers. And it's very gruesome. They're like, hey, thanks for bringing us life. Now we're going to murder you and make our world out of you. It's quite gruesome. <laughs> um, but, from, but Odin's been around since the beginning. Now, that's probably not true. They probably have a different origin story, but we don't know that. Uh, and so Odin, um, he has this violent energy. He's a war god. Um, however, he also chose to hang for nine days and nine nights in order to gain wisdom. That's how the runes were born. He he, learned, um, he, he gave of an eye in, to a well of wisdom in order to gain wisdom. He sacrifices time and time again in order to get wisdom, in order to bring gifts to people and the gods. Um, and, and so we have, he practices scyther magic, which is the magic do. So he has this war, fighting, death, sky god energy, but then he has this feminine, um, sacrificial uh, do what needs to be done for the good of all wisdom seeking energy too. So he's quite dynamic. Often gods are kind of put into holes like, okay, you're the war God and you're the sex goddess and you're the, this God and you're this goddess, but he's very well-rounded. I kind mm-hmm. of get pigeonholed as something not quite so well-rounded. Right. Right. And obviously, you know, when I went looking, I mean, there's a a book I was looking at, and it says, you know, different things that these different gods can help you with. And they're, you know, so it was like magic and mm-hmm. all this. And I kid you not, I have half of a page of written things. This man, this this deity is called upon, or can be, through all these right. different things. A lot of them are, you know, different aspects of a particular thing, you know, in terms of, you know, cunning and, and war and you know, things like that, but overcoming obstacles, stuff like that. But it was really, it, it was, I was just totally amazed at all of the, the magnitude of what he encompasses as right. uh, an energy pattern to deal with. Right. Yeah. And his name translates to a lot of different things. You know, we have Odin, which is how we're referring to him. And uh, if you've listened to the show before, you know that my pronunciation and accent is shite. So I apologize in advance if I start to pronounce anything. 
his his name has been found across Europe and into Scandinavia. So there's a lot of different places where his energetic has touched. And we have Woden and Wotan, Woden, Wotanaz, Wodaz. Uh, and there's all these different versions of his name from Dutch and Latin and all these different places. But his name translates as many different things. And one of them is seer, prophet, madness, um, zeal, and faith. Um, but madness comes up a lot, a lot. Mm-hmm. Many trans- many translations are madness to rage, to be insane, um, frantic. Oh, sorcery, poetry, and frenzy. So we, if you look at the of the origins of his name, it's vastly fascinating, and you kind of have to give a little bit more study and prayer and thought and meditation on the origins of that of the name because that means something and that's not always what's written about right right and you can tell when you start doing any kind of research that this particular deity um was taken by the you know we'll call them viking norsemen and as they traveled, of course, there, so too did their gods and goddesses. And he he comes up, and it's interesting, when I heard Frenzy, I thought, you know, the battle frenzy mm-hmm. of the berserkers. Mm-hmm. And um, it doesn't mean he's always on the side of the, the people he is worshipped by. Sometimes he kind of does a little trickster thing and works for the enemy. And, you know, kind of, you, you really see... This inner this deity as a um, a life of its own in its truest sense. I mean, like as you say, a lot of the deities are, are they're pigeonholed. He isn't. Right. right. So he kind of goes wherever and does whatever, and you know. So worshiping uh, Odin was a really difficult thing because sometimes he turned on you. As a yeah. as an energy and as a deity, he would do something against what you were doing, and it wasn't it wasn't frivolous. It's just he did his own thing at he at any given moment. Right. There is um, a quote from one of the sagas. So the the Prosetta and the Poetta are a lot of writings about the old myths. So they're great sources. Mm-hmm. If you, but one of the sagas describes Odin. This is a quote: When he sat with his friends, he gladdened the spirits of all of them. But when he was at war, his demeanor was terrifyingly grim. That sort of says it, doesn't it? I know, right? It's good. I like it. Yeah. 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 But, yeah. So he he definitely has, I mean, and, you know, when you get certain things that he does, I mean, poetry, you know, and that's, I could see poetry and, you know, the written word being white the Romans would go, oh, we'll put him over here with Mercury. But Right, right. So they're different. Right, and he also can travel between the realms, which is something that Mercury does, you know. So I get it, but it's... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, but, so that, you know, and I I really, and it, when you start reading what people have written, you understand that they're, as you say, they're coming with their lens. And I do know that when he gave up his eye, 
it was a sacrifice, but the eye was right. never really gone because it wound up in the other world. So in some ways, m- metaphorically, you sacrifice certain things to be able to either get something here in the real world as per se, like he chose to, to learn the runes. It became the runes. It became the discovery and bringing that forth. But it also means contacting in the other realm and seeing from the other realm, from the mystical right. realm. So right. You have to give up your normal symbolic. seeing eyes. Yeah. So yeah. I, yeah. I was very, I was impressed with this in, in the way it was vastly um, open to these different aspects. And as you say, traveling with the, the feminine energies as well as the masculine mm-hmm. energies. So in um, an interesting process, Though I come to him and I look at him and I go, "You're a war god, and you're you know you deal with all these 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 frenzy things and you know and but there is this other part, and right? So that I don't say it softens him because I just don't see that being warm and cuddly, but um, right. I would say it gives a different a deeper vision of him. Yeah, and and if you know read, go online and read. There's lots of great information about Odin, but something I want to stress the point of, of the, the Norse folks, the Scandinavian folks, the, these ancient Germanic peoples, they are not just the warring, the warmongering clans that we think of or that have been popularized in movies. There's actually a lot more to it. And the way that, you know, it's something I read when I was taking notes on the things I wanted to talk about um, was that you know Odin was also involved in the feminine arts, which would have been embarrassing to someone of uh, of Norse mythology or the folks who were worshiping him. That's bullshit. That's utter bullshit. To say that it would have been embarrassing to be connected to the feminine arts, that is a modern lens. That is a modern belief because you can't possibly know a. You can't know what would have been embarrassing to these ancient people. And B, they didn't have lines drawn in the sand, men and women like we do. It was much blurrier. And how could Odin be the ultimate supreme deity if what he did was embarrassing to humans? Bullshit. And right. Um, and women were warriors. Women fought alongside men. So it makes absolutely no sense that there wouldn't have been effeminate men who would have done the quote-unquote you know what I mean? I think the lines were much blurrier than what modern people might want them to think uh, or believe, not think. But, um, you know, there's no way that the head of the gods, the all-father, would have done something that the human beings would have found embarrassing. That's not how it works. You don't worship right. a god that you think is wrong. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know? That's true. That's true. So I think that yeah. there there's a lot here in it. I think it actually, just reading about Odin, more um, interesting and open and wise these ancient and Norse people would have been about gender and sexuality and what the roles, the traditional roles of men and women would have been. I think it would have been a lot blurrier. And I get I'm saying that with my own desire. I totally understand it. But I can also take a step outside and go, no, this just makes sense. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, yeah, of course. And you know, the one thing that, that seems he, he, I found in different versions is that they talk about, well, they talk about Odin as not being omniscient, that he, is, he also is, you know, flawed. He is a, you know, 
that gives you the sense that, yes, he's the best choice of all this to do this, but there's still these other things that aren't really great about him. And, right. Um, I think that makes it a lot easier for someone to connect than when you're trying to connect with something that is so, um, like, above and beyond, and we'll, it's like the ideal and we'll never achieve it, but we can always try concept that seems to have pervaded um, a lot, not mm-hmm. just, you know, Christianity, but a lot of the cultures and their pantheons. Right. Yeah, and, so, you know, you mentioned... Not everything that he did was great. No, he he has this trickster energy to him. He disguises himself up and takes advantage of unsuspecting women. He mm-hmm. makes wagers with his wife on what kind of drama he can cause and how it's going to come out at the end. So, you know, he's a shit disturber, too. Um, yeah. You know, so that is also something to know. This isn't just the good God. This is this is an interesting God who plays games and 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 often Freya is kind of his counterpart. They they fight a lot. They have a lot that they have in common. They have to split the warriors that die um, for the you know the end of days in Norse mythology, Ragnarok, when when we all have to fight and the, the gods finally die. Um, the, every Ragnarok. So Freya gets her slain warriors and Odin gets the leftovers. And there's a lot of stories where the two of them have to, to deal with each other, or fight with each other, or argue with each other. And so that's also interesting, you know, how, how Freya shows up in this pantheon and her relationship with Odin. Um, and Odin's wife is Frigg or Frigga. And there is some debate that perhaps uh, if you go back far enough, Frigga and Freya were the same goddess and they started as the same if that's true or if Frigga originated in the Germanic region and Freya was in Norway or Sweden or whatever up there and when the the migration happened they were kind of joined together who knows but um, there is something interesting there too to explore the relationship with Frigga and Freya and Odin yeah yeah and as you're talking it's it's like I'm seeing that the culture, in its truest sense, the the deities exactly, I mean, I think I know why Romans, you know, they just wanted to make everything you know, unilateral. Okay, we're all fine. Yeah. We're going to take you. We're going to take you. We're going to make you all the things. Whereas here, in a, and this is an example because there are other cultures that have the same thing happen where local mm-hmm. deities, deities that are within certain regions and certain aspects are thus suddenly as the the group gets bigger and they start to engulf more peoples and lands and territories they're they're taking these different deities and they're placing them on their little you know graft if they don't have one they're doing it arbitrarily and sometimes right. they'll just meld them and or right. then they become separate like Frigg and Freya mm-hmm. so, yeah but yeah. Um, and we can't know right so we can only we can we can, and I guess the best thing is is that you know when you do go and work with a deity, it's you know you ask you listen does this ring true do you feel comfortable with it is you know I mean there's a lot of personal um, interaction you just don't take everything like you do in the real world you you know you question you know, right I think that's 
that's the most important part of humanity is with the questioning. It's not because we don't believe. It's because you need to feel comfortable and and feel that it makes sense to you to be right. able to work with them. Yeah. So, yeah. But he's, he definitely, I mean, he has his eight-legged horse, which, mm-hmm. God bless America, I don't have a clue how to say, but it's, it's Near. with an S. <laughs> Slipnir. I kind of, huh, excuse me? Slipnir. Slipnir. Okay. Yep. I yep. love the fact, and I think I've mentioned this once before, is that at least with the Scandinavian and the Norse and the, the Germanic, they name everything. They don't just name their horse. They name their their spear, their sword, their necklace, oh, yeah. uh, their chair, you, you know. And I'm thinking uh, that's a very personal relationship with these items, these individual mm-hmm. things that you have in your world. I know we tend to, a lot of us, name our cars and name our, you know, our computers sometimes. And, you know, it, and people go, why do you anthropomorphize something? And I'm thinking, well, it, we come with it in our genetics. Think about this particular thing we're talking about here, Odin and the the items. We right. do. We, 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 we make a personal relationship. So why wouldn't you name your sword, for heaven's sake? Right. Right. Well, and it shows that they're not just items, but they're they're they are magical. They have a spirit. They are. It's more than just a thing. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. You know, he's and and it's funny because there are so many stories about Odin doing different things and where where they go and what they do and what he does that. Um, you know, for us to have even tried to to take several of them and talk about them, we'd have our two hour show without a problem. Bam, there you go. <laughs> but yeah. um, it it it's very interesting because I okay, I'm going to say this. I know we're going to have a little downgrade here. Um, <laughs> when you deal with Odin and you suddenly see Marvel Comics, Odin mm, and Thor mm, and all of the mm. different things your brain has to turn off because you've got to stop what the visuals were there and go back. And that was a lot of my resetting because of <coughs> the things that I have seen in the more recent past of, you know, comic book characters coming on the screen or yeah. the comic books themselves. So, um, and uh, I don't know, it, it, it was, this has been more of a challenge than I think any of the other deities for me to stay present with what the information mm-hmm. is giving me and not what has been popularized in our right. culture. Right. So. Yeah, you know, I think it's a double-edged sword, right? Because I'm, I am a fan and in support of more people getting connected to Earth-based spirituality. I'm not going out and knocking on people. I think that's why. Um, right. I am a fan where people can and I'm a fan of people connecting to the ancient gods. I think that's important. So I predicted when the first Thor movie came out, I said there's going to be an upswing in people who are interested in Norse magic and mythology and uh, reconstructionism of those traditions. And it's it's totally happened. Like it's totally happened. Even talking about like those racist groups like the Sons of Odin and stuff like that. That has really sparked and taken on more energy since that Thor movie came out. So 
I'm in favor of that. The trouble is people are taking some of the this popular story and thinking that that's what it what it was for the ancient folks. And you know, go watch Thor. These are space beings <laughs> who who yes. have a connection to the earth planet and you know, that's not that's not based on anything having to do with ancient Norse belief or Norse mythology. So, you know, there are interesting truths to the comic books and from the comic books. There are some interesting truths there. Just like if you watch the movie The Craft or Practical Magic, there are some interesting truths about witchcraft and um, Wicca and paganism in those movies, but they're just seeds and kernels of truth. They're not the full truth. Um, so yeah, it's a double-edged sword because there are, you know, folks running around thinking that that's what it is. And, and the way Odin shows up in those movies is, is Odin. And it's a facet of Odin because now he's being reborn (laughs) to our modern culture. Um, but it's different. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I think we might want to take a break. What do you think? All right, well, we'll be back. We will. After these. You're listening to The Witch, The Priestess, and The Cauldron, a radio podcast on the LMC Radio Network. Stay tuned as more magic is coming your way right after these messages. LMC Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include The Lucky Mojo Hooter Rootwork Hour with Catherine Ironwood and Conjurman Ollie, Sundays 3 to 4.30. The Crystal Silence League Hour with John St. Germain, Tuesdays 5 to 6. Fit and Foxy with Madame Nadia and Jaya Dania, Wednesdays 6 to 7. The Now You Know Show with Professor Charles Porterfield, Thursdays 6 to 7.30. And The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron with Elvira Love and Phoenix Le Fay, Fridays 6 to 7. All time specific, add three hours for Eastern, sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. It gets shorter each time I hear it. <laughs> and it's still a little bit longer than it should be, but that's yeah. nothing we're going to talk about right now. <laughs> right. So, we'll go back to Odin. Much better, much better. Yes, yes, yes. War and fighting and violence. Yay! Yay. <laughs> well, you know, the interesting thing is, is when I started to read, we talk about war and fighting, and I started to read what Ragnarok, the Twilight of the Gods, is, yeah. you know, what their whole process was, and they were talking about, and, you know, Fenris Wolf is going to yeah. eat up Odin and blah, and everybody's gone, um, is that if you look at it, and maybe this is just my perspective because I'm farther down the road of history, is that mm. it felt like a pre-cognitive um, reference to when humankind mm. would no longer be as engaged with the pantheonic deities, that there would be a major change. They would die. They would go yeah. away. Some of them yeah. would, you know, a couple survived, obviously. But that being the case, I looked at that and I'm going, you know, if you didn't know any better, somebody was, you know, 
saying, well, Christianity and, and monotheism is going to take over the, the next layer of this. And, right. Um, so it was really kind of bizarre when I, I, I read that. And I didn't read the whole thing about what Ragnarok is and all of that. And, of course, now we have a movie out, as we were talking about, that is about, you know, Thor and Ragnarok and all that. But um, I thought the bigger picture was really fascinating about that. Yeah. And, you know, there's something grim about the Norse system anyway. Their Mm -hmm. life would have been very hard for folks, uh, the ancient Norse folks and Scandinavian folks. Life was hard. Uh, And so there is something sort of grim about, you know, everything is facing the end of days. And I guess that's true for humans. Like now that I've said it out loud, I'm like, yeah, I guess humans do that all the time. We're always looking for the end of days. (laughs) How many times was the world supposed to end in the last decade? Right, right. And, you know, we had what, the uh, Mayan calendar. It just sort of, we ended. And, you know, but then I think you, you have the revisionists who go, well, we end the old and we begin a whole new one that hasn't been discovered because you have to get to the end to find the new kind of a thing. So you have the, and I'm not going to say this in a negative way, obviously you have the ascensionists who are um, new age people who see us leaving the this energy planet and bringing all of this positive things to the fifth level or the you know, beyond the third, fourth um, uh, dimensions and going mm-hmm. upwards. And um, that becomes idyllic. You know, it isn't just like heaven or, you know, the things that are revisioned on other cultures and religions. But it's it's become a new thing. And I don't mean new like yesterday. I mean the last 15, 20 years. Right, right. So, <clears throat> yeah. so we, don't end, we don't just end, you know. I know now that they found a new planet that's really just like Earth, I'm thinking, oh, good, as as somebody said, let's all of the environmentalists go over there and leave everybody here that messed the planet up. Right. (laughs) But I don't know. Maybe that's a – I thought that was kind of – I heard that and I started to laugh like you. I thought, yeah, that would be the the, the ultimate. But it's going to be the other way around, you know, know, kind of leave messes like kids. Um, Right. But – being that as it is. So we have Odin, we have this this incredibly uh, powerful energy deity, and yet he has also got this other side of questing for knowledge and looking for things. That fascinated me because it's like he's not saying, well, I have everything, I know everything, so, you know, great, come to me. Yeah. Yeah, and that a lot of what um, sort of Odin's Bible if you will, the Havamal is a book of um, wisdom verses that are attributed to Odin. In the Havamal, the word translates as sayings of the high one. So it's literally of Odin's beliefs, right? The rules of what it is to be a good person. Um, and there's right. a lot of, there's a lot of random advice in this book and some of it's very practical and some of it's very spiritual, you know, uh, like one of, uh, one of the things is, um, a man shouldn't hold on to the cup, but drink in moderation, you know? So it's, there's things like that. There's, there's rules about politeness and hosting and taking care of people when they stay in your home. The, the Norse oh. and the ancient Scandinavians is taking care of, of guests. And that's a Celtic mm-hmm. thing too, right? Taking care of guests. 
Um, and one of the things in the Havamal is the writings of when Odin hung himself from the, from Yggdrasil on the tree of knowledge. Um, do you mind if I read a little bit? It's just a little oh, paragraph. Oh, no, go right ahead. I think that would be wonderful. Okay, so there's lots of translations of this, and they're all vastly different. So I'm going to short translation of just this little paragraph, but know that there is hundreds of different translations. Uh, so here we go. <laughs> I know that I hung on a wind-rocked tree nine whole nights with a spear wounded, and to Odin offered myself to myself. On that tree of which no one knows from what root it springs, bread no one or a horn to drink. Downward I peered to the runes, applied myself, wailing, learnt them, then fell down. That's... Hmm. There you go. Wow. So he wow. he offers himself to himself in order to learn. And that is literally what we do. <laughs> that is, is how true. we seek wisdom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because that that really it's kind of interesting because they 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 you know when um, the oracle of Delphi would give the prophecies that she would give out you know they were always these cryptic things and in all of the different mythologies they have you know like the Sphinx giving um, there's cryptic messages or statements or or riddles and they even apply here in how Odin does his poetry to put out the information that he's talking about. It's always done with his poetry and this aspect that is not, you know, hi, you go from A to B to C to D. You know, it's not linear. And I think that is a testament to working with the other world. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So he's he's definitely got some you know things, and of course, every time I hear that story or I hear things that allude to that, I keep seeing the hanged man in the tarot card. Mm, oh yeah, every time. So when I do readings, when the hanged man comes up, I always, card is based off the story of Odin, and I talk a little bit about it because, you know, the heart. The thing is, the hanged man is kind of about being stuck you know and and needing to take a pause and needing self-reflection and and some of that energetic and um we, we know odin hung there we know odin gained wisdom and we know odin got down but we don't know how he got down and that's the hard part of the hangman is how do you get down now that you've gotten yourself strung up right right i always think of it as you know looking at a mirror you know we're mm-hmm. in the world where things are one way, but the mirror is completely opposite. And if you're seeing the hanged man, he's hanging upside down. Right. So the process of looking at something or being in a situation where you are in an opposing position to what normally is out there, either in your world or your personal life or whatever's going on. So that, again, presents us with, like everything, it's funny you talk about trickster is that we have consistently talked about Loki being the trickster yeah. in that in the pantheon in the Norse the Norse process the Norse energies but it's really weird that and I say this not in a strange weird but just that it Odin becomes the ultimate trickster right 
he's like the master yep. trickster, and then Loki is kind of taking it on his own level. Right, and you know Loki isn't one of the gods. He he was a an frost giant, an ice giant, right. um, but he he was basically kidnapped by Odin and raised as one of the gods. And so here we have, you know, this this energy, this creature, this Loki person who technically doesn't belong with the gods and yet is raised as one of them and uh and odin the ultimate trickster fighting light you know so it makes sense that he ended up the way that he ended up and i'm not bashing loki i know there's a lot of sensitive people who love loki and get irritated with all the loki bashing i'm not bashing loki but he <laughs> that's well that's, my daughter my daughter named one of her cats loki she was going on the, the Greek pantheon, and then she sort of took off on this other one. And the cat obviously really is Loki because, I mean, it's completely opposite to all these cat-like things, and, and it's very strange. I've, I've, when I've gone to visit, it's like, you definitely are Loki. And then he goes away, kind of, you know, he's, right. he kind of goes away and has other places he, he obviously hangs with. And you think of... You know, when you when you get an animal and you 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 bond and you you wait for the the name or you chose you quote choose a name, um, it always made me think. The old saying is, "Be careful for what you wish for," because there's this other side of it, and that also is tricksterish. So, <laughs> yeah, presents you with that whole process. But it's a digression off of Odin. But then again. I know people, we were talking about in the fire, the dog that was named Odin that yeah, saved the, right. the sheep. Yeah. You know, I think it was the sheep, wasn't it? Or they, were they goats? Goats. They were goats. goats. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, well, so, we should probably, before we time, talk about some of the things that are also connected to Odin. Some, some um, no word, no word just left my brain. Attributes, guides, friends attributes. of Odin. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, so we mentioned Slipnir, his eight-legged horse, and there's a whole story there about how that horse comes to be, so feel free to read about it. Loki's involved. I'll just leave it at that. Um, <laughs> uh, Odin has two ravens, Hunan and Mjolnir. Those, tra- those words translate as thought and memory. Uh, and Hunan and Munin travel the world and and basically, they're like spies. <laughs> yep, they and are. they peep on all of us. And then every night, they fly home to Odin and they tell him everything that's happened in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty great. He also has yep. two wolves, Jerry and Frankie. Um, Gary and Frankie. I'm not really sure how to pronounce the G. Anyway, so he has two wolves. Um, and he has a spear, the Gungnir, which is a very special spear that never misses its mark. Um, he has, he's often seen in a cloak and a hat and he has one eye and sometimes it's just a hole and sometimes it's got a nice little patch depending on how he's feeling that day. Uh, and he has many sons because he's kind of a slut and spreads his seed all over the world. But he, there are two sons that are most famous, obviously Thor, we all know about Thor, Right. At least we should, because, you know, I'm a fan. Um, and Balder. Balder is his other son, who is the most beautiful of all. Uh-huh. They, they have two different mothers. Um, and then there's Loki, that the, the the not official son, but 
uh, a son nonetheless. And um, that's probably like the most important ones. His yeah. his father, primordial being Ymir or Mir, um, is sort of where he was born from, and that is that primordial being that him and his brothers to make the world. Um, and yeah. then the other important piece of of Odin is Mimir, and Mimir owned the well. Mimir was the guardian of the well, and that's where Odin gave his eye in order to gain wisdom. To drink from Mimir's well would give any any of us unlimited wisdom. We would know all the things. And, of course, you can't have all the wisdom without giving some sacrifice. So he gave his eye. Um, and then later in the tale, Mimir is killed. So Odin takes Mimir's body and embalms head. He cuts the head off and embalms it with special herbs that will keep it um, wise. And so Odin carries Mimir's head around um, asking advice. And it kind of is like you mentioned um, the the Sibyls of uh, mm-hmm. oh, where are they from? Delphi. Thank you. Holy crap, my brain. Uh, the, of Delphi. Mimir kind of works like that. Odin asks Mimir, you know, what do I do? And Mimir says, you know, da 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 in some sort of rhyme that Odin has to figure out. And that that um work of um prophesizing women's work. But Odin was gifted that work because he had all of this wisdom and some of it was his connection to the head of Mimir, which is gruesome and weird and I love it. And there is, in that, the concept of the head, the talking head, mm-hmm. is also part of the Scottish and Irish, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. There's mythology within that. There's a talking head as well. Yeah, and whales. Whales, there. See, I knew yeah. I was in the general area. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Bran so. the Blessed, his head is buried under, uh, buried in London, and it faces the oceans that no one will ever invade. And up till now, in 2017, it has been true. <laughs> true. There you go. Yeah. But, yeah, that, that, that. The other thing we should mention is that um, Odin with, um, and I'll, I'm going to butcher these, uh, Honir and Lodu. Mm-hmm. created the first man and woman. And I thought, interesting enough, the first man's name is Ask, A-S-K. Yeah. And then the woman's yeah. is Imbal, or um, Imbal, E-M-B-L-A. Mm-hmm. And they were the mm-hmm. first. So they created, and it was out of the trunk of the ash trees. Right. So, right. I like and that, that better than being out of dirt. I do, too. And the ash tree, too, there's all kinds of symbolism around that, right? And trees are a thing. Um, the world tree, Yggdrasil, is uh, this huge tree that, that all of the realms are sprung from. Uh, and, you know, the world is split up into nine different realms. And there's where the humans live, the underworld, and where the dark elves and the light elves. And it's very it's a long, complicated thing, but um, trees. The, it's believed that Yggdrasil is a giant ash tree. So clearly, there is something about the ash tree in Scandinavian and Germanic systems that's very important. So again, that's something to look at and research and learn about. If this is something you are curious about and want to learn more about and dig into to Norse mythology and 
Yeah, and obviously, you know, now I'll forever be looking for an old man with a long white beard and a staff and a floppy hat and one eye, yeah. you know? Yeah. It's kind of like, okay, it works in more than just that, I'm sure, but I'm like, mm, yeah, okay. But, yeah. Um, and I'll say, you know, with that trickster energy, Odin, I I know several folks who uh, work with Odin and and not necessarily Norse gods, but just specifically Odin. And I'm friends with several folks who work with Norse gods exclusively. Um, and Odin shows up in all kinds of ways. Mm-hmm. And, and even to the point where I have a, a dear one who has a story of facing a, an old man with a long beard and one eye, like out in public, <laughs> he just he just shows up, and it's um, it's interesting. So, tapped by Odin, or if you are interested in the Norse gods, don't be surprised when they show up yeah. in unsuspecting ways. Yeah, yeah, it it, and I think that's true of. Well, I'm going to say this in a generic. In all the deities, there they will show up. Mm-hmm. They just don't necessarily conform to the way they're described in the ancient text, um, because literally they're going to have to be, you know, kind of. They can't come in a toga unless, of course, it's a toga party. But um, right. a lot of it is, uh, you know, even the archangels. I didn't. I swear, out of all the things I ever thought I would wind up having, you know, uh, a visitation, was we were out in Chinatown in um, San Francisco, my friend and and our two children, and and off we were wandering, and there was this guy, and he, you know, not exactly the most clean guy, but um, he, and he was kind of standing, you know, we thought more than likely he was peeing on the doorstep or something because he was kind of got his back to us. And then he turned around and he goes, the Kuan Yin t- um, Temple is right down the street because we were trying to find the Kuan Yin Temple, right? And we never said that. We were just like, I think it's this direction. I don't know. We're lost. And he turned around and did that. And what I eventually found out, that was Santalfon. <laughs> and I'm like, ah. you know, so they come in different ways, whether it's Odin yeah. or any of the others. And you really, there will be a, a distinct point that you can't, you can't find a way to justify out of it in our right. in our logic. So, right. but so there we are. I mean, we're 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 almost at the end of our hour. That went yeah. fast. It did go fast. It did go it fast. Does. Yeah. Yeah. So, so uh, I can't remember what our following week is supposed to be about. Well, this coming you, week yeah. we're going to be doing magic. What is magic? Right, but that will air for this episode. But after this one, which is the prequel, would be what is magic? I don't know quite. I frankly, can't remember. Is, oh dear, we are we are losing our memory, and we're actually, I think it might be a, a to be determined still because we had something in mind and we had to we yes. had to change our plan. So yeah, yes. we don't know. It'll be a surprise. It'll be a surprise, and we will probably by t- by the next time we are on radio, we will have our answer for you guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is tomorrow. <laughs> which is tomorrow. For us, but not for anyone listening. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> no. Anywho, a time and a place. But yeah. 
Um, it was great. I enjoyed this. There's a lot of information and still much more that we didn't get even close to touching. Oh, yeah. We just barely scratched the surface. Yeah. 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 So, But um, I will see you tomorrow. And yeah. with all of the folks out there, we will be seeing you the week after. And have a good Thanksgiving um, coming up or afterwards, actually. We hope, yeah, we hope you had a good Thanksgiving. Had a good Thanksgiving. <laughs> Past tense. We we yeah. are, we're in no we're in no time. It's like we don't know. Right. We <laughs> exist beyond time and space. True. True. Yeah. All right. Well, All right. my lovelies, have a wonderful, wonderful time and enjoy. Thank you. All right, thanks okay. for listening. Bye. Thank you for listening to The Witch, The Priestess, and The Cauldron, a radio podcast on the LMC Radio Network. Our podcast airs live every Friday at 6 p.m. Pacific and will be available for download. Questions or comments on this show or ideas for upcoming shows can be sent to our website, and that's at www.witchpriestesscauldron.com. Again, that's witchpriestesscauldron.com. On behalf of Elvira, Phoenix, Alan, and myself, Gwion Raven, a big merry meet and merry part and merry meet again. Blessed be. UC San Diego is one of the top-ranking universities for earning potential. If you're an experimenter, a maker, or a breaker, an education here could really pay off. To learn more, visit our campus or go to ucsd.edu. UC San Diego is one of the top-ranking universities for earning potential. If you're an experimenter, a maker, or a breaker, an education here could really pay off. To learn more, visit our campus or go to ucsd.edu.